0: We are starting out, launching a new series, our Easter series, it's called uh, Rescuer. And by definition, uh, by the dictionary of Bible themes, here's their definition, I thought it fits so well. Um, Deliverance, rescue, definition, deliverance from people or forces that are overwhelming. It implies a liberator with strength and wisdom to ensure true freedom. Freedom. God's physical rescue of the Israelites points out to a spiritual deliverance obtained by Jesus Christ. So that we know that when sin entered the earth through the fall of man, that there was a need for a rescue, and God is a rescuer. God's always had rescue in his heart. In Psalm 91:15, it says, "When he calls to me, I will answer him, and I will be with him in trouble, and I will rescue him and honor him." And God would Historically, uh, would send rescuers on behalf of his people. We're familiar, for example, with Moses uh, being used to rescue God's people from Egypt. And also, if you look in the in the book of Judges, that God's people would cry out, and then there would be a response from God. And He would actually use people. He would call people to be a rescuer, to be a deliverer. In Judges three nine, it says, "When the children of Israel cried." Out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the children of Israel who delivered them. Othniel, the son of Canaz, Caleb's younger brother. Listen, there is a heart of rescue uh, in, in, in God. In Galatians 1, 3 through 3-4 says, May God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave His life for our sins just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us. Somebody say Rescue rescue us from this evil world in which we live. So the series is going to be a handful of messages based on people surrounding Jesus where He was operating in that heart of rescuing and Jesus the Rescuer on our behalf. So I'm going to focus this morning on the story of Mark uh, chapter 5 this morning, Uh, but we want to share a testimony video first to just open this up.
1: For those of you who don't know me, my name is Sheena, and uh, if you do know me, you know that I have been sick for about 15 years, uh, until that God rescued me. This last year has been a journey. Um, my husband got a message from God that if we could just press into Him with everything, if we could just focus on Him, that He could heal me. and. I believed it with all my heart with everything just like the woman of with the issue of blood in the Bible she believed that if she could just touch Jesus, that she would be healed and when my husband said that I knew it was time so we pressed in as a family um, that meant going and seeing another doctor I had seen countless doctors over the years and just coming up empty every single time. They would tell me sometimes that they thought it was something in my head or in my mind that um, that maybe I had a mental illness even. that. But n- nobody could tell me what was wrong with me. So when my husband said this, I knew it was time to find a new doctor. And we were very blessed in our house this last few years. We received a A doctor an anointed healer of God and I knew I had to get in and see her and I did Um, immediately she spoke over me with authority telling me that she knew what was wrong with me that my body didn't like anything that wasn't of God being put into it so that I would have to change my diet the way I ate two months into it, I could see that I was a completely different person, that my stomach pain, that I had the issue of chronic pain and anxiety was just gone. That as long as I was taking the natural medications and eating natural food, that I was completely healed and that's not even the best part of my story. The best part of my testimony is when I went into her to tell her that things were getting better and that I knew my next step was to work on my anxiety and my depression. And the thing that stuck with me in our discussion was that at some point you have to lean entirely into God and trust Him with your healing. And she laid hands on me and she prayed healing over me in that last appointment. And I felt this warmth come over my face and over my head. It was unlike anything I'd ever felt before, and I left. As the days came, every single person that came to me with an issue, I laid hands on them and prayed over them. I realized that my depression was gone, my anxiety was gone, that I had no feeling of anxiety anymore, that feeling that had been entrapping me for 15 years, along with chronic pain, just in a moment of prayer, had just fallen off. I know God wanted me to go out and use my authority for His will and helping to set people free, helping to set people free from chains. He wants me to go pray over people and the authority that I have over my anxiety and my depression, he wants me to speak authority over others' anxiety and depression. scary, but he heals me completely. My mind, my body, my soul, all three parts. And I'm just so excited to get out and to show people and tell people my story.
0: come on isn't that powerful wow jesus is a rescuer amen come on let's let's put our hands together again what an amazing amazing story i'm gonna pray real quick because i need it you might need it too amen jesus i just thank you right now i pray you help me to teach to preach to connect father i help you i pray that you help us to receive and that, God, there might be genuine transformation. That, God, You would wash us with the water of Your Word today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Just want to give a shout out to those online with us too. Uh, we're so glad to be able to share what's in this house with what's in your house. And uh, we feel connected. Uh, we're, we're, we're grateful. So I want to talk about Mark chapter 5. And... It's an incredible series of events. It's just like power packed. If you look at Mark chapter 5 and 4, 5 and 6, just power packed. Just so many things that happen. And what we find is that, you know, Jesus has actually, you know, been in the boat, been in the storm, commanded the wind and the waves to basically cease. And then He goes across the other side and as soon as He gets out, He's encountered, you know, He encounters a, a man that's just full of demons. Right? He's got that that kind of an encounter and then we find out that he crosses over again to the other side once he's done with that he crosses over again and we pick it up in mark chapter 5 verse 21 it says Jesus got into the boat again and went out the back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd somebody say large crowd that's going to be in, that's going to be really important you grab this this morning that crowd where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore And then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her and heal her so she can live. And Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. And a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She'd suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she'd gotten worse and she'd heard about Jesus. So she came up behind through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body she'd been healed of her terrible condition. And Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? And his disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Now many of us have been to church. If you've been in church... We have a tendency to read stories like this and kind of gloss over them. Oh yeah, that's the woman with the issue of blood. And I want to unpack this a little bit, because I think it's got some profound implications that, that maybe will help us to look at it at things with a different filter. So I want to talk about three principles this morning. I want to talk about the woman. I want to talk about the Rescuer, who's Jesus, and I want to talk about the crowd. So let's unpack the life of this woman for just a few few minutes. For, for one, it's interesting that in all three accounts of the Gospel, she's identified as the woman with the issue of blood. We, we, we don't know her first name. Her identity is in her illness. It, it's kind of crazy because sometimes that happens when we walk through stuff. Our identity can be what we're walking through, you know. And so when people would see her, it's, oh yeah, that's the woman with the yeah, she's bleeding all the time. That that that's her. Do you know her name? I don't know her name. But this is how she was identified, and it speaks to that identity. What happens is this condition made her ceremonial in the culture unclean. And when you when you look at the culture of this, uh, she was marginalized by everyone around her, uh, most scholars believe that this issue of blood was a, a constant menstrual cycle. And, and the condition made her ceremonial unclean, unable to have a physical relationship with a husband as well as other children. I mean, what you find was, if she had a husband, and it was never referred to, so we're kind of filling in the gaps, uh, it, would have been, it would have been impossible... Actually, for her to have physical contact with her husband. And back in the day, divorce was actually pretty common. I mean, you could, you could uh, a guy could divorce his wife because she kept burning dinner. I mean, seriously, there, you, you look into this culturally and historically. And so, when you look at her situation, she was ostracized. She was not able to worship because she couldn't go. Man, I'm really glad because when I married my wife, she could not boil water. I'd been I'd been out batching it for like a year, and I mean I was the cook, and she was like, I mean her motto, her family motto, when it's smoking, it's cooking; when it's burnt, it's done. Right? <laughs> Praise God, we've been married for 42 years. She has become an amazing cook. So if you if you look at this for 12 years, she'd not been able to enter into the temple to clean. Even to clean her house, to approach anyone, to touch her husband or children, if she even had them by this time. And in the culture, she would have been viewed as good as dead. That marginalized. That's how impactful it was to her. And in the account, Mark said, she suffered at the hands of physicians. Now, we've got a couple of great doctors in our congregation, so I want to tread lightly. But how many of you have ever suffered at the hands of a physician? I have. There's a point in time where it's like, man, they'll do stuff to you that you think nobody should ever do to your body. Or how about a hospital gown? Seriously, I I, I grew up, I never had a stitch and I have a broken bone. And then I blew my knee out playing basketball and I had to have ACL. And it's the first time I ever went to a hospital and they had a hospital gown laying there on the bed. I didn't even know how to put it on. I put it on backwards praise God, my wife was there. And she said, no, it goes on the other way. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. And then you got to walk from this room to that room. And it's like the walk of shame. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing more humbling uh, to a guy than it's like, and they don't make them for guys that are six foot five. They make them for guys that are like five foot eight, right? And so like you, honey, you are walking behind me because I don't want anybody to see what might be hanging out behind me. You know what I'm saying? Oh. So she tried everything. First service, I actually told a couple doctor jokes, and they didn't go over very well. So I decided I better scratch them. If you really want to hear them later, you can always talk to me. <laughs> I love telling. Them, well, wait, man, let me go ahead and do it anyway. No, I'm just kidding you. I'm just kidding you. Oh man. This one guy says, uh, he says, my doctor gave me six months to live, but when I told him I couldn't pay my bills, he gave me six more. (laughs) Right? So think about the courage and think about the desperate condition of her life to engage the crowd. I mean, she was actually in danger of being stoned because if she walks into the crowd and touches people, they become by law ceremonial unclean. She was prohibited from doing that. In fact, people would probably see her and give her a wide berth just 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 in case. They didn't accidentally bump into her. This is this is her this is her her issue. So she, she had to actually position herself and come up behind him and then she had to stoop to touch the hem of his garment now i didn't have a lot of time to kind of get into this but most likely he was wearing a prayer shawl and there would be tassels around the bottom of the prayer shawl they'd be thread with with blue and 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 those tassels represented the promises of God. And she was going, I'm, I'm going to get in here because i got nothing to lose and I'm going to grab hold of the promises of God. There's something here that we, we have to not only understand historically, but actually apply it to ourselves, Because I, I'm telling you what, a lot of times we don't really want to stoop to reach what we need. So let's talk about the crowd for a few minutes. It's interesting that in the earlier chapter that Jesus delivered the man from demons and set him in his right mind. Now what's, what's interesting about this is a lot of times, like Keanu mentioned this, uh, you know, deliverance from demons. If you were to take... The miracles of the New Testament and take anything that had to do with delivering from the demonic out, you'd lose about 25% or 30% of the miracles. So it's something that's like super not really comfortable for us, but yet we see in the Bible that this is the kind of stuff that followed that that Jesus did. So he's actually delivered this man from, from demons, and he's actually cast them, you know, into a you know a herd of pigs. And set him in his right mind. So you would think this would be a win for people. Right? But it wasn't. Let me, let me read this to you. Luke 8.34 And when those who had fed them, talking about the pigs, saw what happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. And then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed sitting at the feet of Jesus clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. I've never seen anything like this. I know this guy. I've heard him wailing up on the mountain, up on the hill. Walking through the catacombs and the graveyards for years. And now he's in his right mind. Why would that be scary to you? Why should that be scary to you? I'd be like, thank God I'm free at last. Free at last. Right? But it says this, and they were afraid. They also, who had seen it, told to them by means which he who had been demon-possessed was healed. And then the whole multitude, here's the crowd, surrounding for the surrounding region of the gatherings, asked him to depart from them for they were seized with great fear and he got into the boat and returned. Now when I think about this, I ponder on this, I find that on one side, the crowd... Wanted him to leave. On the other side, the crowd welcomed him. Right? I'm like, man, crowds are fickle. Crowds can turn on you. Crowds can change. Crowds can be scary. My wife really doesn't like crowds. If she's going into a place that she's really familiar with, really comfortable with, I can be a gentleman and open the door. But if it's a new place and it looks crowded, she is right behind me. She is. That's where she learned that to help me in that walk of shame with a hospital gown right behind me. <laughs> Covering my you-know-what. But think about this. The crowd was unwilling to believe that Jesus would deliver some someone from demons and heal someone's mind. And I also believed that it messed with their finances. Hey, no bacon, no bacon, right? Because these pigs basically ran off a cliff and died. And maybe they'd even set up where this guy that was living in the catacombs running around naked and broken chains like a circus event. Charging admission. I mean, I know I'm gone. But I'm thinking, man, there was something that actually made them afraid. There's something that made them go, you've shifted our situation. You've changed the narrative. And now we don't want you to be around anymore because we're comfortable with our captivity. We're comfortable with our pain. We're comfortable with our identity because it's basically been comfortable to us. We can't be like that. Let's go to the haunted house that's really haunted. And then Jesus heals the guy, and suddenly it's normal. In fact, it's not only normal, He's actually preaching the Gospel. Can you imagine what that would look like? I have seen, I have seen people that when you first look at them, they are so bound up, jacked up, backed up, cracked up. I've seen them all. And then you see an encounter with Jesus... And then you see them later, God, I don't even recognize you. Because that is the profound difference that Christ can make in our lives. Amen? But crowds are fickle. So this woman had to fight her way through the crowd to get to the rescuer because that's the only answer to her plight. So the crowd represents some things to me. First of all, the crowd represents the crowd of distraction, the crowd of distraction. Man, I'm telling you what, something in us knows that we need to be in a position to touch Jesus and yet our calendar, our hobbies, our self-interest, the stuff that we're building can take priority. And I'm like, man, this is, this, this is not a good crowd. Because it crowds out the intimacy that we need and that God wants from us. Man, you you, you got to take a look at your schedule God created you to walk in fellowship with him God created you with this thing inside where Jesus said thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart all thy might all thy strengths. that's got to be first and foremost everything else is added unto you seek first the kingdom of God how about the crowd of pride Man, pride is one of the seven deadly sins, and it seems like it has nine lives. Just about the time you think, "Okay, you know, you know, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord," God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Man, I always want, I always want to walk in that place where I'm receiving the grace of God. But then every once in a while, stuff rises up. It's like, yeah, okay, woo. you know, it's like you thought that was dead, and now it's raised up again. So this woman had no pride left. I mean, she was going to press, elbow, belly crawl, hallelujah kick, whatever she needed to do to get through the crowd to touch Jesus, right? She she was not going to be ashamed if somebody saw her worshiping in a crowd and raising her hands, or if she had a need coming up to the front and letting people pray for her. Pride keeps us from touching God so many times. She was committed, man. Stoop. It's one of the most important words in there. She stooped. Are we willing to stoop? I remember the first time I was in a church like this, and I'd come out of a real conservative church, and I saw I saw a couple people raise their hands in worship, and I'm like, get a hold of yourself, man. You're being too emotional. And I realized later, that was my pride. That was my pride. See, we kind of want to look religious. God doesn't want you to look religious. He wants you to walk in a relationship with Him. You know, it just, just touches you. Changes you. I remember the first time the, the Lord hit me with just emotions. And I, I, I realized I was, I was hard. I was hard was I was hard-hearted. I'm like, God, please touch me, God. You know, that old Keith Green song. Take this heart. My 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 heart, you know, is hard. You know, soften my heart, Lord. And then like the next time I was in church, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm crying. Look like a looked like a water faucet going off. I'm like, oh man, I gotta knock that off because that's not what a man does. The Bible says Jesus wept. Pride will keep you from touching God. I got this, Lord. I got it. I do everything in my own strength and then if I really, really need you, then I'll ask, then I'll pray. Uh-uh, pride will keep you from touching God. Or how about the crowd of unbelief? Her healing was faith and action illustrated. There's a partnership. There's two things that happened. It really wasn't in line theologically what happened to her. The usual Jewish notion is that the impure will defile the pure. That's why the unclean person couldn't touch somebody that was deemed ceremonial ceremonial clean. This is the first time also that illustrates that the pure cleanses the impure. That's what Jesus did for us. He became our righteousness. You know, if you're here this morning and you're like, man, I just am not good enough for God. You know what? You're not. Never will be. That's why Jesus became the righteousness. So, this was also the first time that Jesus was touched and someone was healed. Before it had always been somebody reaching out. This is the first time that somebody just kind of ninjied up to Him, you know, and then, bam, oh, I got it. Seriously. First time. You see in Scripture. What's interesting, it, it's called almost the accidental healing account interestingly afterwards the scripture records it became commonplace in mark 6:56 it says whenever so afterwards whenever he entered into the villages cities or the country they laid the sick in marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment there it is and as many as touched him were made well never happened like that before See when she touched Jesus she paved the way for others. When you reach out in faith, it activates something for others. It encourages others. Testimony will encourage others. Can I have that? Can I have that um This is what happened this morning in the first service. I'm sorry you guys all missed it. But we're praying and people were coming up to the altar for prayer, and there was a there was a young woman that was here. I've never seen her before, and she came up with her arm in a sling. And later, I didn't know what happened, but somebody handed me this and said, "Hey, that." they said, "Hey, that sling's laying up on the on the platform." I'm like what happened? Torn rotator cup, couldn't lift her hand up. By the time she was done praying, she had full range of motion and no pain. That should encourage you. That should encourage you. Amen. Listen, when when faith is activated and God moves, it should stir something in us when you reach out in faith. So think about this. There was a crowd around Jesus and there had to be sick people and broken people. And yet it was this woman that was healed because faith and action go together. Jesus said this. He said, your faith has made you well. You okay, know, I want to break that down a little bit, because this, the story illustrates some things about healing. We're always looking for a method, right? We're kind of like Methodists in a way. That's actually where the name Methodist came from. And there's nothing wrong with like, you know, having some structure and all this, but we're always trying to feel like, okay, wow, we did it this way. And let's do it the same way again, and again, and again, and again. And then it ends up turning into religious liturgy. So in this same passage we see, we didn't unpack it, but hang in there. Remember Jairus, and he came and he said, hey, my daughter is sick. Now this is really interesting because his daughter was 12 years old, and the woman with the issue of the blood had been suffering for 12 years something spiritual is happening here right it's cool types and shadows but anyway what happens is that because Jesus has been delayed then this man's daughter dies but yet we know in the story that Jesus went and she was raised from the dead so with the woman basically said your faith has made you whole but obviously, with the dead girl, you don't have faith if you're dead, right? So it was actually the father's faith that actually activated something. And then I, you know, I think of the story of Lazarus. You know, Lazarus was basically had been in the tomb for four days, and it wasn't Lazarus' faith was his faith was dead, and it wasn't Martha and Mary's faith because they were kind of. They were kind of mad at Jesus. Because man, if you wouldn't have waited so long, he would, you could have healed him. He wouldn't have died. So he shows up at the tomb, and he still blows him all the way, and he says, Lazarus, come out. You know why I think it called, he called him by name? Because that was a cemetery. And I think that if he had have said, come out, boy, the whole thing would have just like, boom. No. No. Lazarus come out all the rest of you stay dead so there's a mystery of sorts to these things but I have faith that if we'll press in to touch Jesus something is going to happen and there's a mystery but I'm convinced that to see healing I've got to be willing to pray for healing Because if I don't pray for it, I won't see it. And when I pray for it, and pray for it, and pray for it, and then I see it, then it encourages me, oh, I saw it. I'm going to pray for it more. And something begins to stir. See, faith pursues what others just hope for. Okay? Augustine wrote, flesh presses, but faith touches. Can I have the worship team come up? I really believe, I, gotta, I just have a few more things that I want to unpack. But I really believe we're going we're to see God move in a profound way today. That has been the prayer of my heart. I believe that Jesus is here to rescue. He is a deliverer. It's amazing how many times the Bible, the word even deliverance happens in the Bible. 179 times. I don't know who counts that stuff. Keanu, did you count that and let me know? I don't know what it was. But it's amazing because it's part of the heart of God. And so, when we when we look at faith and the activation of faith. The Bible says that Abraham believed God. That's faith. And it was counted as faith faith caused Abraham to leave his country when he didn't see what was ahead faith caused all the nations of the earth to be blessed even though Sarah was way beyond the childbearing age faith caused an ark to be built before there was rain Imagine Noah and his faith, and sometimes we can have faith for a moment. Sometimes we can kind of get stirred for a moment. The Bible speaks of Noah building this ark before there was rain, and it took him 120 years. I don't know about you, but I'd have been in like year one and go, okay, Lord. I don't know this is a monumental task but he just said no but I have faith and without faith it's impossible to please God so I'm going to trust. sometimes sometimes faith is this word that seems so supernatural think about this trust faith trust I'm gonna trust you God even though I don't see the rain I'm gonna build this thing even when my neighbors are ridiculing me because it's plugging up the driveway faith trust God despite the pain faith commanded the sun to still to be still faith commands the mountains to move you can be in the crowd and not have faith People were crowded around Jesus, but there was a woman with an issue of blood that said, I know I might be ostracized. I might be stoned. I don't know what I'm doing, but I have nothing left. I've got to give this Jesus a chance and I've got to touch the hem of His garment. And if I can just get there, if I can just get there, I know something will happen. I know something will happen. I'm like that story just moves me because you can be in the crowd and not have faith. How about the crowd of popularity or the crowd of peer pressure? It can keep us from reaching with all we have for Jesus, she passed through the crowd and she might even have gone against the crowd. Wow. Lots of people in that crowd who were sick, who were broken, who were in despair. Lots of people in the crowd that were curious. Man, I heard that he was just, you know, giving everybody lunch. I just want to see what's going on. Let me ask you why did you come this morning? you have a chance to touch Jesus. You don't have to remain the same because the rescuer is in our midst. You don't have to remain in bondage because the rescuer is here. You don't have to remain captive to sin or addiction because the rescuer is present. You don't have to remain captive to anguish or anxiety because the rescuer still heals and delivers us today. And And the woman illustrated to us What it means to be tenacious and to pursue. So I want to read that story again now that you have a little bit more framework. And I want to point out something that's so, so important. So she'd heard about Jesus. So she came up to came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself if I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. She could feel in her body, hmm, she'd been healed of a terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that the power had gone out of him, and so he turned in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? Can I I ask you a question this morning? Are you here to touch his robe today? His disciples ask him, look at this crowd pressing around. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Second Chronicles says the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for those whose heart is loyal to him. He's looking for seekers, man. He's looking for hungry people. He's looking for people that aren't satisfied. Man, I don't know. I am not satisfied with anything except God's goodness and God's kingdom. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came, fell to her knees in front of him, and told him what she had done. Wow, isn't that crazy? She actually felt guilty for pulling on, reaching out to Jesus she didn't know his heart that's actually what he wants people to do he wants them to reach to him reach touch press through don't be satisfied with the things in the world come on let's touch the lord because he's reaching for us and, and, and this in 34 this is what i want you to really i want you to listen really with your good ears right now and he said to her daughter your faith has made you well Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Here is a woman that in the three accounts of the gospel had been identified as the woman with the issue of blood. In her culture, she had been identified with the woman with the issue of blood. And now he actually changes the narrative and says, Daughter. daughter, First time, only time in Scripture that Jesus did this. And what it meant was, (laughs) Haha, I'm not only going to heal you. I'm actually calling you into our kingdom family. I'm healing you, uh, not only physically, but I'm healing you emotionally, and I'm setting a new spirit in you. I'm giving you a new heart. This is what happened. She's, She's actually being identified. This is so incredible. Jesus restoring her identity. There's people here this morning, you've never known your identity if you don't know Him. And I, I tell you what, it's going to blow your mind what Lord will do. There's a beautiful song called Rescue. And the singer is speaking from God's perspective and says this. Here's just a few words. I heard the whisper underneath your breath. I hear you whisper and you have nothing left. I will send out an army to find you. In the middle of the darkest night, it's true. I will rescue you. I will rescue you. Jesus, the rescuer, is here this morning. In the midst of this crowd, words of Christ are, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's His invitation. It's an invitation to healing, to wholeness, to restoration, to life abundant. It's an invitation that beats back the ravages of hell on earth. It's an invitation that brings hope and destroys hopelessness. Can can I just ask you to press through the crowd of unbelief right now and open the door of your heart? I'm talking to somebody here right now that you haven't opened the door of your heart. Maybe you've been part of the crowd, you've been kind of watching what Jesus does. You've seen the transformation in people. You've seen the grace in people. You've experienced the warmth. You've it's like, man, I this there's something about this, but you've never taken the step and said, so Today I want to open my heart to this Jesus, to this Savior. In revelation jesus said this he says behold i stand at the door and knock and if any man hears and opens the door i will come in beautiful picture the only handle of that door is on the inside only you can open it i'm going to ask you boldly this morning i'm going to ask you to press through the crowd of pride unbelief uncertainty anxiety I'm going to ask you to impress the crowd of intellectualism. You kind of don't understand this. Listen, I am still trying to understand the mystery and the marvelousness of God's kingdom. I, I kind of put it this way. It's like my wife and I have been in covenant relationship for 40, almost 42 years. If you would have asked me, do you have her all figured out back then? I'm like, heck no i've spent a lifetime learning about her that's what we do with jesus we just take the step of faith and then there's a journey of a lifetime finding out the grace of god the love of god the healing of god so if you're here this morning and you're saying pastor and i believe it's important to agree Jesus said this, he said, in the mouth of two or three, let everything be established. I want to agree with you today. And I heard it last week, it, it resounded. Listen, if you you should, it should be an easy thing for you to do here because we all love you. This is the tribe, this is the community. If that's you, I know I'm speaking to probably a number of people never given your life to this Jesus but you're saying pastor I I want to do that today I want you to raise your hand right where you sit just let me agree with you anybody here this morning you're saying today's my day i open the door of my heart and I give my life to the rescuer thank you sir anybody else I give my life to the rescuer. Thank you, sir. Here's another one. I give my life to the rescuer. Anybody else? I give my life to the rescuer. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Come on. There's people coming into the kingdom. I give my life to the rescuer. I give my life to the rescuer. So important.